0: Today, Holy Mother Church celebrates Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is Latin for the word rejoice. And if we did not have an opening hymn, we would have chanted the entrance antiphon, And the first word in Latin is Gaudete, and in English would be rejoice. And so Holy Mother Church is asking us to rejoice as we come to this midway point through Advent. And there's many indications which the church is indeed asking us to rejoice. This is one of only two days out of the entire liturgical year when the priest is allowed to wear rose-colored vestments. Some people say it's pink. It's not pink. I do not wear pink. I wear rose. Rose is the liturgical color. And so in that, the church is asking us to rejoice. But more importantly, the church is asking us to rejoice in the prayers of this Mass and, in, and especially in the readings from Sacred Scripture. Church is asking us to refocus on this, this ability of ours and this, the necessity of rejoicing. And we hear in the first reading, the, the root word joy is used four times in that very short reading. We also hear that root word of joy spread throughout the responsorial Psalm. And in the second reading, one of St. Paul's more uh, familiar readings for people today, Uh, he's, He's telling us to rejoice. Rejoice at all times. Rejoice in the Lord always. Under every circumstance, rejoice. The importance of rejoicing. And in the gospel, we hear people coming to John the Baptist because a lot of people thought that he was the Messiah. And one could ask, you know, why is he, why are people always coming up and asking, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? And we have to remember that several prophets of the Old Testament predicted when the messiah would come and daniel predicts it pretty much to the week to the week when the messiah is going to come so so when people hear about what john the baptist is doing they they go to the desert and they keep asking him are you the one and he says no i'm not the one but i'm preparing the way for the one for the messiah for the son of god to come and he's asking people in that preparation to rejoice To rejoice because the time which the prophets had foretold for centuries, the time is upon them. And so what an incredible time, indeed, to rejoice. And if you go back through the readings later this week, if you go back and and look at the prayers of this Mass, uh, especially the the preface for the Eucharistic prayer, you will see that indeed the Church is telling us to rejoice. Rejoice. And what incredible reasons we have to do just that. We think about what God has done for us. He's given his, his own son to us to be born in a stable, uh, to live among us, to die for us on the cross, to rise from the dead to forgive our sins. Incredible reasons for us to rejoice. And I think we must be careful Because in our world, there's many things which seem to bring joy. And I was talking about this two weeks ago the distractions that we encounter during Advent. There's a lot of things that seem to bring joy, seem to bring peace, seem to bring happiness, but these things are just temporary. They're fleeting. And they don't bring true joy. And we should ask ourselves a few questions this midpoint of Advent Where is the joy of my soul? Where is the joy of my life? Where is the joy of my very being? What or who do I find my joy in? Is it truly in God or not? And do I realize and do I believe the reasons to rejoice which the church has laid out for us, especially in the prayers and the readings of this Holy Mass? Do I realize that the Son of God was sent for me, to die for me? You know, many... Many things, once again, seem to bring a temporary pleasure, a relief or happiness, but there is only one true lasting joy and peace, and that's God. St. Augustine, one of the greatest theologians, philosophers ever, he writes in his, his book called The Confessions, and this is his autobiography. And some of it's a little thick to get through. I admit, it, it took me, uh, this is before seminary, I, it took me maybe five or six, maybe seven times to begin reading it until I could get all the way through it. Because some parts are, are, are pretty, pretty beautiful uh, uh, and pretty, pretty intellectual in the philosophical department. But the very first paragraph of the first chapter of this very important book, he says something which we can all get through and understand. He says this, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And my heart and your heart, these hearts are going to be restless until they rest in the Lord. If you allow your heart to rest in anyone or anything other than God, who's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's going to remain restless. I promise you that. Because the scriptures tell us, and the greatest theologian, in the Church, Saint Augustine, he reminds us of it too. And ironically, and sadly, in some ways, we're we're tempted, especially in Advent, to place our joy in things other than God. It's ironic if you think about that. And if we place our joys and possessions or gifts or any anything uh, secular. You know, the holiday spirit which the world wants you to, to uh, drink the Kool-Aid about. If we do this, void of any reference of the Son of God, then we will ultimately be disappointed. We may think that we're experiencing joy, but these feelings associated with it, they're, they're going to pass away if they're not rooted in God. Two assignments ago, several of my uh, younger prisoners were involved in this uh, in a Christmas musical production on the base which I was serving in, and uh, several of them asked me if I would be if I would come to this uh, two and a half hour long musical with it's mainly just kids, and uh, against my better judgment I said sure I will go, but it was actually pretty good. It was actually pretty good. It was so good, I went twice. But I remember this musical production, it consisted of 50 songs, 5-0. 50 Christmas songs, which talked about the ways in which we can experience joy during the holidays. Things like candy. Candy. Giving and receiving presents, shopping, mistletoe, playing in the snow, Santa Claus, Rudolph, hot chocolate, decorating trees, and and so forth. 50 songs, but not one of the 50 mentioned the name Jesus Christ. Sure, these things, which the songs talked about, brought temporary pleasure, temporary happiness, temporary joy, but it wasn't lasting. Maybe that's why there was 50 songs. That's that's why I went two and a half hours, because the joy didn't last that long. On a side note, in terms of evangelizing, I, I mentioned this to some of the prisoners, who mentioned it to the director, the production staff, and Guess what they did next year? They had songs which mentioned the name of Jesus Christ. Because these little girls went to the director and said, why are we singing Christmas songs without reference to Jesus? Incredible way to evangelize, wasn't it, for those girls? And to be honest, up until about a year before that Christmas musical production, I would not have been able to go. I would not have been able to listen to those songs and this is why. Just after Christmas of 2011 my mother was moved into the hospice center in Coeur Lane, and that's where she spent the final week of her life. And I was there almost every day of that final week and I remember very specifically walking into this hospice center and you walk into the lobby, and they had a tree there with lights and presents underneath. You could smell the, the apple cider. And the thing I remember most was the Christmas music playing 24 hours a day in the lobby and in the hallways of that hospice center. Honestly, 24 hours a day. And I was there a lot of that week. And I think, I think I became conditioned. To associate these things, especially the Christmas music, with my mother's death. And so for several years, I never had a tree, lights, decorations, nothing, and especially Christmas music. If I was in a store, or if I was listening to something on the radio, or if I was in somebody's home and they had Christmas music on, I would just walk out. Had to. And some of you, I think, know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, I'm I'm certain that there's people here this morning who've experienced the same thing. However, in those years, I was still able to experience true joy and true hope in the Advent and Christmas season. And this is why. My joy, my hope is not based on the Christmas tree or lights or presents. It's based on the birth of the Son of God. That's where my joy is. That's where your joy needs to be as well. And so when we, when we, when we think about that, then we can do what St. Paul is asking us to do in the second reading. Rejoice, rejoice at all times, in all circumstances. Rejoice. No matter what is happening in our life right now, no matter what is happening in our world, we can Rejoice. And have true joy and true hope, and it's possible. Once again, if we're not careful and discerning, we may we may not be able to recognize Jesus Christ among us, because we're so distracted by these temporary and empty joys. Every year of my priesthood, people have approached me. Um, before Christmas and they, they talk about decorating the church and how they're going to decorate it and for the past uh, what, 12 of the 14 years I've been mainly fighting with Protestants. You like to decorate before Thanksgiving <laughs> and take everything down the day after Christmas. Which goes against what we think about Christmas and what we know what the, the Christmas schedule what the Christmas calendar is truly like. But Even many well-intentioned Catholics, they'll come to me and they they have these ideas of grandeur, how they want to decorate the church. And they basically want to put Rockefeller Center right in front of the altar, you know, with huge trees and and lights and presents and, and living nativity and an ice skating rink, right? They want all this in front of the altar or by the altar or in front of the church. And I have to remind them that these things, although they're good, That's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the word of God made flesh. The incarnation. That's what Christmas is about. It's the word of God made flesh. And what happens at every mass? Every mass. On the altar, the word of God is made flesh. And so for the past 14 years, I've encouraged people in their decorating to to remember that That nothing can distract us. We should have nothing distracting us from the altar. Nothing. No matter how nice it is, how beautiful it is, nothing can distract us from the altar. Because that's where Christmas is happening, right here at every Mass. Every Mass. So, once again, we just have to be very careful. Very careful in our thoughts, in our homes, in our parishes. How we prepare for Christmas so that these things do not distract us from what gives us true joy, true happiness, true peace, and true hope. Because if we find the joy of our souls in the birth of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world, then we will truly be able to say, Gaudete, rejoice, at all times and in all circumstances. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.